You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 23rd, 2019. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk a little bit, we'll talk mostly about the Magic's upcoming game against the Brooklyn Nets. Talk a little bit about the impending return of Aaron Gordon, and yes, trade rumors galore. As a few have popped up, another one has sprung a leak, and we are still just two and a half weeks away from the, or almost now two weeks away from the NBA trade deadline. So a lot to get to here on today's show, but we'll try and keep it quick. But before we do any of that, I'll remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search for iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail that I know all of you love. There's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of detail and care. Want to get a leg up on the Brooklyn Nets? Check out Locked On Nets. Want to prep for Friday's game against the Washington Wizards? Check out Locked On Wizards. Want to check out what's going on in Grizzly Land with Mark Gasol and Mike Conley? We'll talk about them. Check out Locked On Grizzlies. There's a po- NBA podcast as well, Locked On NBA, and Fantasy Basketball too. On top of all that, there's NFL podcasts covering all the NFL teams, including the Super Bowl participants, the Los Angeles Rams, and the P- New England Patriots. You can find them all just by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for or tell on iTunes or tell your smart device, play podcast, Locked On, and the team you are looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic get a chance of some redemption after losing a 21-point lead in the second quarter and 11-point lead in the fourth quarter on Friday to the Brooklyn Nets as they take on the aforementioned Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. They are a team that can put up a ton of points. They will take a lot of threes. They try and spread the floor out and attack off the dribble with D'Angelo Russell or Spencer Dinwiddie, and they're able to spread the floor and make three-pointers. The Magic learned that the hard way as it was really the three-point shooting that did them in. Orlando struggled a bit keeping them out of the paint and and keeping D'Angelo Russell especially from getting going downhill. But really it came down to Brooklyn made a lot of threes at the end of that game uh, and made a lot of tough threes at the end of that game. Orlando certainly wasn't as tight offensively as they could be, but they showed that they can score against this Brooklyn defense, which yes, does struggle a little bit. It's not a great defense. Magic's defense actually ranks better than it. And with the way Orlando is playing offense right now, they should feel comfortable enough that they can compete and win. But they're not going to do that unless they play defense themselves. I know a lot of people pointed to the end of that game where Evan Fournier missed a shot at the buzzer. Terrence Ross missed a free throw. Uh, Nikola Vucevic had some misses at the end. Aaron Gordon was, of course, out with the lower back tightness, which, which definitely hurt the team a little bit. But I don't know if it would have made a huge difference. There's a lot of criticism at the end of that game. A lot of it was... Not as fair as I think it could have been because really the Magic lost that game early in the fourth quarter and in the third quarter. Their defense just did not show up in the second half. As good as Orlando played to build a 21-point lead, their defense really kind of stopped playing with the same level of intensity and precision. Brooklyn was able to start getting the ball into the paint and moving the ball well to get open three-pointers. And and that was something that Orlando wasn't giving up as they built their lead. And really Orlando's ball movement offensively especially was a lot better in the first half than it was in the second half of that game. The Magic, I don't want to say the Magic beat themselves. The Nets certainly went out and took it. They're they're a relentless team. They do not give up. They they, they really believe in what they're running. And so, you know, they will get hot as they did on Friday night 
and ha- give themselves a chance to win. They're, they're the kind of team that plays like that. It, it feels, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying this as an insult. It feels like a college team. You watch the NCAA tournament, team gets hot, and there's nothing you can do. Brooklyn is that kind of team. And, of course, they've got NBA players, and they're really, really, really good, actually, because um, their offense is legitimately very good. And, and Kenny Atkinson knows that team has limitations, knows that team has flaws, but they really play through it. They don't care about any of those. It's really it's really breathtaking to see, and that, that team is playing with so much confidence. You get them in a close game, they feel they're going to win. D'Angelo Russell certainly feels like he's going to finish that game, and he certainly did on Friday against the Magic. So really the Magic, I think, as it is always the case, the Magic have to be on their toes defensively. They have to be committed and ready to play on defense. If they do that, they have a chance to beat anybody. Anybody. Uh, and that's always been the case. When Orlando's defense plays really well, the Magic's offense plays really well, and Orlando, uh, for the most part, uh, and Orlando really does have a chance to win the game. I mean, you look at the Magic's top 15 defensive games this season, except for maybe two or three of them, the offense does play very well. So there is a correlation between the Magic's offense and the Magic's defense performing at a high level. It's not the same with the offense. When the offense plays well, it doesn't necessarily mean the defense plays well. So really, this is a Magic team that we know has to have defense as its backbone. That was the key to the win on Monday against Atlanta, where the defense really tightened up. That supercharged the offense, that supercharged the Magic, that, that got them the lead, and got them what was a fairly comfortable win, to be honest. So Orlando certainly knows what its formula is. It's just always about whether they can execute that formula and stay committed to their principles and their what they hoped was, was their identity. Now, the big story, of course, coming out of practice on Tuesday, Aaron Gordon said, barring a setback, he should be ready to return to the court on Wednesday night. He felt fairly confident that he would play in Wednesday's game. Um, it, 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 it just, I mean, I was able to listen to the interview. Um, it, it did seem like, you know, he, he didn't feel like the back was, was serious, just needed to kind of get rested and, and, and short up. He hopes he hasn't lost any of his rhythm because he was playing extremely well before the injury that caused him to miss the last two games. Um, but Gordon, having Gordon on the floor is absolutely essential to this team. I, I know the Magic had a strong offensive game on Monday, but uh, you know, they also had a lot of guys who, who kind of played above their heads a little bit. And and certainly Evan Fournier had an above-average game. Nikola Vucevic had an above-average game. But honestly, Jarrell Martin did. Terrence Ross did, uh, yeah, at least with his ball movement assists. Gordon does a lot to just facilitate and make things really easy for the Magic. And, and obviously, he's playing at a very high level right now. Uh, and I think the Magic certainly would like to have him in the game. In fact, it was an interesting stat. Friday's game actually marked the first time all year the Magic have lost when Aaron Gordon scored more than 23 points. The Magic have lost only three games. I believe they're 9 or 10-3 and three with when Aaron Gordon scores more than 20 points in a game. So he he is absolutely vital to what the Magic do. Getting him back for a game like this and for a stretch like the one the Magic have coming up is going to be very, very key for the team moving forward. So Orlando, obviously, with a tough task ahead of them. The Brooklyn Nets are a difficult, they are a good team. They are not a team to overlook or look past or or ignore. Obviously, they're in the playoff race. They're they're comfortably in the playoffs right now. You know, they, they could still slip, but but they seem pretty real. They seem to be playing at a very high level. Um, a lot of people, you know, had them as a trendy pick to make the playoffs, and they're being proven right right now because the Nets are playing very very well. Orlando's getting them at a bad time, but they should have beaten them on Friday. You know, I, I, despite what Steve Clifford says. I think you should win games when you're up by 21, and the fact that this team keeps blowing those leads is a, is a source of concern. Monday, 
Orlando had a had a big lead heading into the fourth quarter, and they maintained it and they grew it honestly. So some good growth there, but against it's against Atlanta, so asterisks are out. Not asterisks, but you know, fair warnings are out. Uh, Brooklyn is a much different challenge, and obviously Brooklyn uh, was able to topple the Magic despite that big lead. So Orlando owes Brooklyn one. We'll see if they can get it at the Barclays Center on Wednesday. The Orlando Magic taking on the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night at the Barclays Center. That tips off at 7.30. You can catch it, of course, on Fox Sports Florida, and we'll have a complete recap here on Locked on Magic on tomorrow's episode. There, there isn't a whole lot to get to then. You know, I think storylines are, are getting kind of repetitive a little bit with this Magic team. Uh, we, know, we know what... That what the deal is? What you know? We know what this team has to do. We know who a lot, not necessarily who this team is, because I, I think this team could certainly still play better. But we know we have a good idea of what it takes for the Magic to win games, and and, and whether they do it or not is a day to day question. Uh, we, we do know that this is a team that is fighting for the playoffs. They're in the hunt. They're in the race. They've got to find a way to string wins together. But. We also know that one of the big overarching storylines of this year is that this is year two of Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. And essentially what I've told a lot of people as much as they probably hate saying this, this is year two of the rebuild, of the re-rebuild or whatever you want to call it. This is year two of sorting out this roster and and making moves for the long term. And, And I've said this every time we talk about the trade deadline, it's my belief at least the Magic will not do anything that threatens their short-term success. So they're not gonna they're not gonna trade Nikola Vucevic with the playoffs in 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 sight. But they're not gonna make any moves necessarily to save this season particularly. They're only gonna make a move that helps their long-term vision and their long-term outlook and 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 what they ultimately want to become want to become. There is a vision of what this team is. Still, there's some obvious needs. Orlando does need a point guard. They need a backup point guard as much as they need a starting point guard or an upgrade over DJ Augustin. And and finding that point guard that's both a short-term and a long-term improvement is very, very difficult to do. It, it does take an investment. And the question is, which player do you invest in? Which player do you put that belief and trust in? It's no secret and no surprise that the Orlando Magic have been connected to almost every point guard that would appear to be on the trade market this year. Whether it was Spencer Dinwiddie before he signed his extension with the Nets, whether it was D'Angelo Russell when people thought that that the Nets might move Dinwiddie and Russell. I, I don't think they will with the way Russell's playing right now. And, and of course, I don't think the Nets are going to do anything to actively help the Magic make the playoffs this year. Whether it's Terry Rozier or Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina. If there is a point guard on the market, the Magic have been probably connected to him. We obviously had those rumors last week with Dennis Smith Jr. There's a fresh round of rumors with uh, Stephen Bondi of the New York Daily News reporting that the Magic and Suns were among the teams, confirming earlier reports this year, that the Magic and Suns both contacted the New York Knicks about Frank Nilakina. It's not clear what the Knicks want to do with him. Uh, He's had a, a fairly disappointing and stagnant second year, been in and out of the rotation with them, and it's not clear whether... Their new front office believes Tilakina or Nilakina is their guy for the future. Um, Nilakina, of course, has tremendous length, which is a buzzword here in Orlando. Uh, not a great shooter, not a great scorer, still kind of developing his point guard skills, still very, very raw, but very strong defender and has a lot of the physical tools that 
that teams like. His, his confidence has kind of been shot this year, though, because of the inconsistent playing time and, and lack of clarity in his role. Zach Lowe of ESPN.com also reported that the Magic have inquired about Terry Rozier, or it's believed that they did, um, and were among the teams chasing the future restricted free agent. Um, Rozier has also struggled a bit this year. He's kind of been pushed to the bench role after starting for Kyrie Irving in last year's playoffs, really thrived as the starter and had a great playoff run that hasn't really found his footing as the backup to Kyrie Irving. And it's not clear, A, how much any team is willing to pay for him, B, whether the Celtics will match said offer if he hits restricted free agency, and C, how much do you give the Celtics to take those restricted free agency rights, and then how much are you willing to pay him to match any offer? I mean, I think these are very serious questions because Rozier hasn't really proven himself either. But the big fish may have finally entered the fray. The big fish on this trade market may have finally emerged. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com reporting that for the first time, the Memphis Grizzlies are willing to listen to offers for Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. The Memphis Grizzlies have been fading a bit from the West playoff race. The West is starting to separate itself a little bit, and the teams that are pretending they have playoff hopes are beginning to realize that they no longer do. And the Grizzlies have certainly kind of begun to fade away. And, And it certainly feels like that Memphis team... Um, as currently constructed, just isn't going to get the job done. I'm not going to sit here and propose trades from Mike Conley. I think that it is very, very difficult for the Magic to get in this race without giving up some serious future assets. Conley has had a pretty solid year this year. He's averaging 19.8 points per game, which is which is near a career high. It's his second, second most. 6.1 assists per game shooting a 49% effective field goal percentage, so not as strong as usual, but 35.4% three-point field goal percentage. He's played in 46 games. He is a a near all-star almost every year. He's a very solid point guard. He's kind of having to play a high-usage role for Memphis as one of their leading scorers. But really the key with Mike Conley that I think might attract the magic a little bit is he has essentially, he has at least one more year left on his contract, $32.5 million next year. And then an early termination option in 2021. If the Magic were to go after Mike Conley, who I think would be the kind of veteran that the Magic have desperately needed for a very, very long time, and the kind of guy who would put this team over the top, acquiring Mike Conley would be an extreme win-now move. And, you know, again, like I said, he's got one year left on his deal. And then an early termination option in 2021. It might actually be a, a non-guarantee. It, uh, his contract in 2021 becomes fully guaranteed if he plays 55 games uh, either this year or next year. And he's well on his way to that at 34 already. If he came to the Magic, he certainly would hit that number. But I think that... I think that what's... Obviously, you get a player like this, and this is the problem with getting any player of this stature with this much time on his contract. I think a lot of people think that the Magic might target, uh, I've seen some people say they might target like a Gordon Hayward, guy who has a lot of years left on his deal as a, as a bit of a risk, but a bit of a statement of, we're, we're going to make sure we get a guy that is going to be part of our team for a long time. And, and again, that's part of the calculus that goes on here. If you acquire Conley, you not only have to make the playoffs this year, I think you have to make the playoffs next year 
and show that you're taking another step forward. So again, immediate pressure on Jonathan Isaac. You probably have to resign Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross and hope that a full year of Conley and your group together and Aaron Gordon taking another step and Jonathan Isaac taking another step and adding depth with whatever cap room you have left, that doing that will get you, you will convince Conley to stay essentially. You know, so you have very limited time to build that relationship. Again, that's kind of the game. That's that's kind of the risk. And whether it's worth the risk or not depends on the assets going out. If the Magic have to give up a first-round draft pick or a draft pick of any kind, I'm a little hesitant. But I think I seriously think about doing it. Um, again, that risk of him leaving makes me very hesitant to give up, uh, say, a lottery-protected a lottery pick. Um, because especially if he leaves, you're essentially rebuilding again a little bit. Um, it depends if they ask for Gordon or Isaac. It depends if they ask what they what the Grizzlies ask for. And, and that part I'm not so sure about. I haven't studied their roster so much. But this would be the kind of splashy move that I know a lot of fans would get excited about uh, and would solve a lot of the Magic's problems, both from a roster standpoint as well as from the kind of leadership standpoint that, that this team has lacked. I would say this, though, and this has kind of been something that I've thought about a lot when it comes to some of these deals. You acquire a guy like Conley, you are committing to whatever is left on your roster for a few years. You're committing to re-signing Nikola Vucevic because Mike Conley with Mo Bamba as a starting center isn't going to win immediately. That's, you know, unless Bamba really takes a huge leap, that's not convincing anyone to stay. Maybe Vucevic won't either. I don't know. But, but you know, again, that's, that, that's kind of the risk. It's now you're committed to making this work and doing it in a very short time frame. My instinct tells me that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond aren't kind of in that business. They've been very patient so far. They're kind of biding their time. They haven't made a super splashy move. The Aaron Gordon contract is honestly the splashiest move they've made. And it has turned out pretty good for Orlando with the declining contract and you know, even national outlets suggesting that Gordon could be on the market as soon as this year. That's pretty impressive to be valuable enough to be on the market in the first year of a big, big contract. Somehow that worked with Tobias Harris, and I think we kind kind of understand that yeah, maybe you don't give up those guys. Maybe there's a reason everyone wants those guys, and maybe you should hold on to those guys. I, I don't think Aaron Gordon is on the market at all, for the record, unless a proven all-star on another long-term deal is coming back Gordon is going to stay with the Magic. He's just so, he's been really good this year. And I don't think the Magic, I think a lot of people think the Magic are disappointed in him for some reason or that they're overly committed to Isaac. Gordon and Isaac, I think, can play together so long as one of them develops a jump shot. And and I don't think we're at the point where we need to answer that question finally and fully, like maybe we were with kind of the Oladipo Fournier question when, when that came about. So, certainly there are point guards on the market. Certainly, uh, I think the Magic have at least by rumors and reporting, have been engaged in these talks for some of these point guards, for some of these players. Whether something comes to fruition, that part, I don't know. My my instincts and my gut is telling me Jonathan Simmons isn't going to entice anything. And the Magic really don't have a lot much more that they want to offer if they're going to stay in the playoff race. And so my gut tells me, honestly, the Magic are going to stay quiet at this trade deadline. Uh, I, I'm just, so far, I'm not seeing anything emerge that, you know, Conley piques my interest. I'll, I'll admit that. 
And if the Grizzlies are willing to take on Timothy Moskov and Evan Fournier to get that done, I really think about it. I want another two coming back my way because, you know, this team just doesn't have a lot of shooting. And again, you're, you're kind of financially stuck with a, with a big contract. At least you're getting some value out of it now. And you need to fill that shooting guard position. I mean, I don't think you can lose Fournier for nothing. Ross, I like Ross off the bench more, and you need the shooting. So, yeah, there's some questions. There are some big, big questions. There's no doubt about it. But I think that the Magic kind of recognize that they can get a lot of work done during the summer. Like Dennis Smith stuff, you can do that during the summer. You don't need to do that now. Um, you know, Terry, if Terry Rozier is really your guy, go get him now. Absolutely go get him now, um, depending on what it costs. If it, co- then if it costs you just Simmons and something else, you do it. And, and, and you commit to it. That's the big thing is, is with any trade, commit to it as being part of your future because that's what this is. This is not a short-term fix to make the playoffs. This is a commitment to your team's future. A long-term piece. And if it's not a long-term piece, I think you pass. And I think that's what I'm really struggling to see on the trade market right now are those long-term pieces for the Magic. And I think a lot more can be done during the summer than can be done at this trade deadline. Having said that, the next stretch of games are going to be really vital. Orlando has seven games left until the trade deadline. I can rattle them off for you. Tonight against Brooklyn, at Brooklyn. Friday versus Washington. Sunday at Houston. Next Tuesday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Next Thursday against the Indiana Pacers. Then they go to Oklahoma City. And then they play host to the Minnesota Timberwolves on trade deadline day. That is, you look at that schedule, only one team in that group is outside of the playoffs currently. That would be the Washington Wizards. Everyone And, and, and they're all playing for something. It's been a stat that's been going around Magic Circles now for a while. 18 of the 36 teams remaining on the Magic schedule are in the playoff race, essentially. When Nikola Vucevic said every game is a Game 7, he was not lying. Every game is going to have a lot of meaning for both teams. And and honestly, as, I, as I've told some of you who've been like, the Magic aren't making the playoffs. They should just tank and... and, and Give up now. Essentially give up now. I'm not in the giving up business when something's still there, but playing these pressure-packed games where one win flips the standings, that is so valuable to this team. I will continue to argue that these games, playing under this pressure, is extremely valuable to this team and to the players on this team, regardless of who stays and who goes. They need to feel this pressure. They need to understand how difficult it is to make the playoffs. They know how difficult it is, but they need to understand how difficult it is to go from just in the race to really in the race. There's a there's a big there there is a big level up here, and and, and this is all part of learning how to win. This is a this is a part of the process that the Magic skipped in the Rob Hennigan era, or tried to skip, and said fell flat on their face and broke their da- broke their nose. So these next seven games for the trade deadline are going to set in motion how the Magic decide to move on or move forward with this group. If the Magic lose their next three or four games, 
the the pressure to trade Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic is going to increase dramatically. Honestly, Evan Fournier said it best himself after Monday's game. If the Magic don't make this playoff push now, this group is gone. This group might be gone anyway. I'm not afraid to say it. I I think Evan Fournier is the guy the Magic want to shop most. And I think it's very, very likely and very possible the Magic trade him in the summer, regardless of what happens this season. Vucevic is a free agent. It's very possible that even if the Magic are successful, they let him walk because he's not the future. And like I said, the Magic do have a long-term vision in play. Again, with each passing day, I I think more and more the Magic are going to re-sign Vucevic. I I really do believe that. And I think, you know, Fournier and Vucevic have both said they love Orlando. I really do think Vucevic wants to stay. I think he wants... Again, I, I think I've said this on the podcast numerous times. No player on this team wants this team to win more than Nikola Vucevic. I firmly believe that. And so that's why he gave such, uh, reportedly, an impassioned speech to the team saying, this is it. This is where we have to make our stand and decide what season we're going to have. So these pressure games are going to matter. But there's probably no more pressure to win and stay in this playoff race than in the next week. Brooklyn, Washington, uh, Houston, Oklahoma City, Indiana. That takes you to a week before the trade deadline. And I think by, I I know I've said this numerous times, but I think by then, the Magic have to make their decision on whether to pull the trigger on a trade to create create future assets and and make, make do on what they have, or hold on tight, try and find a piece that helps the team this year, and make a strong push for the playoffs. I think we're going to know that in the next week. The week before the trade deadline, the Magic have to have their trade deadline strategy figured out. And this schedule is a crucible. This schedule is a humongous test for the Magic about whether they can truly compete with playoff caliber opponents. That's what this next stretch is all about for the Magic. Whether they can make they can make that competition. They know it. Because there are pieces dangling out there. And, and for, by the way, every other team knows this about themselves too. There are a lot of teams that are going to be deciding what to do in the next week. The Magic certainly are among them. And I think more than a lot of teams... Orlando does want to make the playoffs. Six years out of the playoffs, I hear it all the time. Can't do another rebuild. Got to make the playoffs. I do hear that all the time from people. And I agree with them. I, I think the franchise does believe that too. That it's, it, it, it is time to make a playoff push. And this schedule is going to be a real doozy of a test for the Magic to start separating themselves or gaining ground even on some of these teams that they're chasing and are in the hunt with them. These are the teams that they've got to beat to get there. We're two weeks away from the trade deadline, folks. It is definitely, definitely, definitely time to buckle up. 
I'll thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have a complete recap of tomorrow's game against the Brook or tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets on Locked On Magic tomorrow. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.